guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 181. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now we do have a Q&A episode for you. And Jack, I'm going to hit you up with this first question. And I'll let you know, it's a bit of a hypothetical. So this one asks, would you rather give up meat or dairy? Yeah, definitely a tough one, for sure. Considering I eat, uh, I definitely eat more dairy, which is is probably going to weigh into my answer of giving up meat as opposed to dairy. I think there's one, as I said, I eat more dairy. Two, I think it's more environmentally friendly to just have dairy as opposed to meat. And I think it also ticks all the nutritional boxes as well. Like the only thing that I think I would struggle nutritionally to get from from dairy would be iron. Mm. But pretty much everything else that you get from meat would be be covered in dairy. So yeah, what about you though? Yeah, it is a really tough call, eh? Because we both eat meat and we both eat dairy products and there's a few like things that you have to remember too is that like meat it's not just red meat or it's not just chicken but essentially meat is the flesh of any animal so meat would include our fish that we like to catch so to have to sacrifice being able to eat our own catch that would be kind of sad it Mm. wouldn't make the whole experience as enjoyable yeah, I know some people don't categorize fish as meat, though. I've never mm. understood that. They seem to think it's not an animal, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fish. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair, it doesn't look like a cow. But, you know, the actual definition of meat is the flesh of an animal. So it includes red meat. It includes your poultry. It includes your seafood. It includes anything else. That Insects, do you think? Ooh, I don't know. We'd have to Google that one. Mm, that's actually an in, that might be a bit of a gray area mm-hmm. but it would even include you know people who like to eat game meat so i know i grew up in canada doing a lot of hunting with my dad and we would shoot moose and bears and ducks and geese and rabbits and squirrels and everything <laughs> well not you don't shoot everything i'll take that back but <laughs> only in the no, say that. <laughs> only in the not that letter that looks like a smiley face <laughs> Uh, but no, of legal, of course, but it's a huge culture over there in Canada, which I think was fantastic having that growing up. But um, no, that would be upsetting to have to give that up. But when you think about dairy products, you're not just thinking about giving up some, some nice blue cheese, right? That really makes the fridge smell so delicious. But you have to remember that dairy products include protein powder if you consume whey protein powder because the primary proteins that are in milk are casein and whey and that's what we get our protein powder from so if you're giving up dairy i would argue that also dairy is in so many different things as well yeah milk powder for example Mm -hmm. huge additions so i'd argue that if someone says hey fish is a meat you got to give that up then i'd say hey your whey protein powder your wpi that's dairy. You got to give that up. So it's tough. Yeah. Well, you haven't answered yet. Yeah. We have to make a choice. Oh, and before we actually ask this question, I didn't think about which one would I actually give up. But I think that if I did have to give one up, I think it would be dairy for me. 
which is sad because I love cheese and the smellier and moldier the cheese, you know, it's Mm. much better, eh? And I love protein powder. And I would actually say that on a daily basis, mm, it's kind of half and half because I eat four meals per day and two of those meals, the main HBV protein source, one is egg whites and I also put some cheese on there too, but the other one is either kangaroo, which is a red meat, or fish if we go out and catch our own fish. So there's 50% coming from those meat products, if you don't include the cheese. But then two of my other meals, I have WPI and I have casein. Yeah, so I don't I don't really understand your decision there because at the moment your diet isn't like it's it's nutritious and it's got a good variety mm. in it of itself, but Why, thanks. Think- <laughs> think about all the other dairy sources that you'll be eating for the rest of your life like what about cottage cheese mm, yeah cottage cheese that is a, one of the good varieties of cheese mm. yeah but the reason why is there I'm... a bad variety of cheese <laughs> ah not not like not, not yet that i'm to find unless like yeah maybe you leave it out on the counter and it doesn't grow the mm. right type of mold well, remember that Parmesan you bought that was from the spice <laughs> aisle? It wasn't even cold Parmesan. That has got to be one of the cheapest uni things I ever did. I was like, oh, I can save two bucks if I buy the super highly processed Parmesan in a bag in the non-refrigerated area of the grocery store compared to buying the nice block. And I actually wasted money because that stuff was so trash. Even, I tried to eat it like six years later and I... It was awful. I and I swear, it was like 75% salt. Like, mm. it was so salty. Yeah, so never, guys, please never buy packaged Parmesan from the non-refrigerated area of, the, of your grocery store. But coming back to this, so I think that I would choose to sacrifice dairy. Even though I consume my whey protein and casein for 50% of my meals, and I love cheese, well, you have to think about this, okay? It's a hell of a lot easier to either supplement with calcium or get calcium-fortified products than it is to consume a buttload of iron-fortified products and actually cross your fingers and wish for your dear life that you're going to absorb that iron compared to you know having to either take iron supplementation, which can kind of just wreak havoc on your gut sometimes. You know, You can get a lot of just constipation. Your poo is just like really really black (laughs) it's just messed up like it's it's not pleasant to actually take high dose iron supplements and otherwise like you probably just have to get an iron infusion every couple of months because i i i'm pretty much under the impression that the best way to get adequate iron in your diet is to be consuming sufficient red meat on like you know a weekly basis three to four times per week sort of thing so that's why i'd probably have to choose meat plus Fishing for us is just so enjoyable. It's so fun. And growing up with that from my childhood and kind of having that little bit of like outdoorsy in me, I love just being able to kind of catch my own fish or go hunting with my dad. Like that's something really special. And I would say too that those protein powders that I consume each day or even freaking cheese, like the vegan alternatives of those, that that's honestly quite fine to just replace with. I could put some vegan protein powder into my ice cream instead, or instead of use some cheese, use some sheesh. Mm. Some sheesh, yeah, yeah. fake cheese. <laughs> yeah, some sort, some sort of that, you know, that cashew stuff that melts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've never tried it myself. I'm sure it doesn't taste too bad. Mm-hmm. 
Or at least the texture is similar to cheese. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd hope. Mm. <laughs> but what about you? Okay. Would you rather give up meat or dairy? Yeah. So I, I've already said meat. You would give up meat? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a no brainer for me. I eat, I eat 145 grams of kangaroo a day and I don't actually now I, now I eat 200 grams of chicken a day as well. But literally for the past two or three years, I've never had that much meat. It's mm. always, I've always had like mainly dairy for protein but you eat a lot of eggs too and we catch fish yeah but i don't categorize eggs as meat that's not that's not the flesh of an animal Mm, oh yeah what category is that one in egg albumin it's still in the category of lean protein sources but yeah it's not dairy either it's not dairy well it's like a it's like premature flesh please (laughs) (laughs) it just hasn't grown up into something that would have flesh yeah. But it was it was it was on its way there. Mm. Well, yeah, I would I would pick meat just because I enjoy, I have dairy a lot. Mm-hmm. I have yogurt, I have milk, I have lots of whey protein, almost 100 grams of whey a day, and I have cheese. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. And I guess TBD's cheat meal then, if we were to cheat on our diets, then I guess that I would be uh, breaking into your cheese stash <laughs> and, you know, giving my sheesh stash uh, a bit of a break. And uh, what, you'd probably break it into my bag of kangaroo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and to be fair, the, the mock meats are, are pretty good nowadays anyway. And mm. soon enough, it's only a matter of time before they start creating their lab-grown meat anyway, which, mm. I mean, is technically still... Uh, is it still meat? Because it's no longer the flesh of an animal. Yeah, but they took it like from the cell of one turkey or something. So then if you, if you, you know, go, go all the way back in time, you're like, well, technically this did come from an animal's flesh. But one cell had to make that sacrifice to uh, make this huge amount of fake animal patties. Yeah. That are nutritionally sound. Mm. Well, you heard it there first. We, uh, we have different preferences for meat and dairy. Jack, this next question, it actually is along the same lines of dairy, which I feel as though I would be sacrificing. I had to make that sort of decision. But this one asks, is it necessary to stop eating dairy at the end of prep? Yes, I'm not I'm not sure where this stems from. Like maybe because there definitely are coaches that I could name who do tell their clients to cut out dairy towards the end of prep and... I think maybe from the standpoint that it's pro-inflammatory or that, or they think that dairy is pro-inflammatory mm. or maybe because some people are genuinely lactose intolerant or sensitive to lactose and therefore they do bloat or have uh, IBS related symptoms when they consume dairy, in which case, sure, it totally makes sense to cut it out. I wouldn't say weeks in advance, but maybe for peak week, I would take it out because mm. for most symptoms of IBS, like it's, it's a fairly acute reaction. So you eat something and you get symptoms doesn't take weeks to, to stabilize afterwards. Mm. So, but couldn't you make the argument then that one, it's not like you just get to peak week, somehow your body knows that and it's like, whoops, gonna get really bloated now after you eat your Chobani. Like you would have those signs prior. So if you're feeling like GIT discomfort prior to peak week from eating dairy products, wouldn't you cut them out way beforehand, not just in peak week? Like you wouldn't wanna be tolerating that. Some people, a lot of people choose to tolerate uh, dairy because they enjoy it and they get symptoms from it. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I probably would, to be honest. 
but like how far would you say like oh i've got a little bit of a pouch or like if you're like farting all over the place you know like you know if the house stinks and you're just like oh i feel awful would you tolerate that just for a few spoonfuls of chobani no i wouldn't <laughs> but that's kind of obvious like obviously there's a middle ground for someone well, yeah and <laughs> but remember you can also just take lactase as well the enzyme and mm. that will help too quite considerably so anyway like what about the pro-inflammatory aspect? We know that dairy isn't pro-inflammatory. Mm. So I, if anything, it may even be more anti-inflammatory than pro-inflammatory. Mm. So if uh, I think that's where it's always important as a client to ask your coach why. And if they can't explain why with sound reasoning, then, then um, that's unfortunate. Or if they're really adamant about something, saying that like dairy is going to make you super systemically inflamed then maybe just read the most recent systematic reviews or mm. just look up on, you know, the Australian Nutrition Dietary Guidelines or the Dairy Council of Australia or other countries as well. And you'll see that the latest research in this area says that dairy has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties and it is not an inflammatory food. And that goes for skim milk products, that goes for full cream products. Yeah, we're not talking about like full-blown Ben and Jerry's ice cream over here, but we're talking about like just legitimate pure dairy products. Mm. Yeah, like cottage cheese and milk and yogurt and, and other types of cheese. So mm. yeah, well, I think that answers the question. Mm. I've never, I've never personally told a client to take out dairy in a prep. I think I think the only time it could be useful is if, and this is fair, quite extreme indeed, but Comprep is extreme, is if you're on such low carbs that if you're having like 300 grams of yogurt a day, like that is, that is, and you're and you're on 100 carbs, like that's one tenth of your daily carb mm. intake from lactose, which mm. is the sugar in 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 dairy. So that would be the only thing to watch out for, really. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I've never given that prescription either to cut it out unless someone is having legit, just they don't tolerate it very well and they feel uncomfortable. And I always get my clients to tell me that, like, hey, how are you actually feeling when you're consuming certain foods? And even if a food is remarkably nutritious, there's some foods out there that just wreak havoc on some people's guts, and that's okay. Because that's the beauty of nutrition is that there's so many different foods out there with different micronutrient profiles that are fairly similar. So if something's not working for you, get those micronutrients from something else. And I just, I don't think that people should be tolerating walking around all the time, feeling bloated, you know, feeling constipated or having diarrhea or whatever it may be, if something is really just giving them a bit of grief. So yeah, if, so, if that, and that's definitely happened to people that I've worked with before, but we don't just arrive to peak week and they're like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's usually weeks and weeks in advance. And then you just find a nutritional alternative. But guys, if something's not causing you problems, you don't need to cut it out. But if you are going to cut something out, and this is what just kind of bothers me about, you know, the whole blanket protocol of, oh, you should eliminate dairy products from your diet, and then that's that, and there's no rationale as to why. We have to think about, okay, what are the primary nutrients that dairy provides that are very unique? Yes, it provides an amazing amino acid profile. It provides a lot of B12, but most importantly, it's actually one of the best sources of dietary calcium in the Western diet. And we have to think about someone who's undertaking a comp prep. When people are undertaking comp prep, and especially toward the tail end of prep, You'll always hear people talk about how their hormones are tanked or they're hormonally compromised because they're so lean. And 
especially as I'm talking about natural bodybuilders here particularly, but the hormones they're usually referencing for females is estrogen and for males is testosterone. And both of those reproductive hormones, they play a vital role in actually maintaining bone mineral density in the body. So one, you've got yourself in a hormonally compromised position where you've already got suppression of hormones that are involved in laying down bone mineral density and making sure that you can maintain strong bones. But then you're giving yourself a double whammy by cutting out the nutrient that actually helps to maintain bone mineral density too. So that's what just kind of really grinds my gears is like, ah, this person's already struggling. Like don't take away the substrate because bones, they are the largest reservoir of calcium in the body. And calcium's not just important for bones, but it's heavily important for cardiac function and nerve function and muscular contraction, etc. So yeah, we don't want to be cutting out dairy products just for the sake of it, if there's no legitimate rationale. But if you do, then you need to be making sure that you are replacing those dairy products to make sure you're still consuming sufficient calcium in your diet. And you can get calcium from a lot of other sources other than just dairy. Like we spoke about calcium fortified alternatives before in terms of like calcium fortified plant milks and you can have some sheesh. <laughs> Uh, and there's also things like sardines with like the pressurized bones. They even have cans of tuna now that they actually put a calcium or bone powder mm. in. But also, obviously, there's a lot of soy products out there as well. Or heck, even if it comes to it, and a lot of people these days usually supplement with vitamin D too. Get vitamin D that is fortified with calcium. So you've got both in there because they actually help with the absorption of one another anyway in the small intestine. Well, yeah. Vitamin D assists with calcium absorption, but mm. not the other way around. Like calcium doesn't further assist with vitamin D. Yeah, but that supplement, it's very yes, commonly... together, yeah. Yeah, together. So just double up. But that's kind of the main thing. So hopefully that answers your question. But if it's not necessary, again, don't put yourself into an even worse position than needs be. <laughs> because bones, really important, man. And uh, your 60 or 70-year-old self is really going to thank you for it if you have strong bone mineral density because you're literally going to have a much higher mm. quality of life yeah yeah hopefully more like 70 or 80 year old self yeah but hell if you keep weightlifting responsibly obviously we know you have to give yourself that stimulus too so in order to lay down bone it's like yes you need calcium yes you need to be in a hormonally non-compromised position and you need the stimulus too. So go lift some heavy weights. And uh, you might be that person who's like 95 and deadlifting. Because I know that's our goals. Mm. <laughs> Coming to like my 100th birthday, I'll just RDL 100 kilos. It'll be pretty good. <laughs> nice. Just once? Uh, nah, it only counts if you do it twice. <laughs> All right, Jack, this next one, it's a bit of a lighthearted question. But this question asks, what is your biggest regret? Sounds very lighthearted. <laughs> well, you can make it, you know, as deep as you want, or you can make it as lighthearted as you want. But what's your biggest regret? Hmm. I don't, fortunately, I don't have too many regrets in any aspect of my life, really. If I had to pick something, the thing that comes to mind straight away is just getting a coach earlier and just being more productive with my training. And like, I've always put in effort like that's been my strong point and I've always had good intentions but I think more so my mentality gets in the way of making better results 
So for example, with nutrition, like I screwed around too much in the early phases, like trying to stay lean and sure I had good intentions to, of wanting to look a certain way, but it wasn't the best thing to do for my long-term goals. So I think getting a coach back in from 2015, like my first year of uni, that would have been, I think, super productive uh, rather than waiting to my first comp prep. Mm-hmm. But could you also make the argument that because you went through that life experience and you know what it feels like to kind of be floating a little bit confused with your health and fitness goals and the direction you're going, would you then make that argument that that's now, because you have that experience under your belt, that's now made you a better coach to younger athletes who come on board and you can even more so emphasize the importance of having a good quality coach from a young age. Yes, I would. Yeah, it certainly has helped me as a coach for sure. Mm. But I mean, there's always an if and a but to every answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Mm. What about you though? Yeah. Well, I don't want to make this too deep. What's my biggest regret, right? Because I guess kind of what I just alluded to there is the case that like, I actually don't have a lot of regrets in my life because I genuinely believe that everything that I have experienced, no matter how painful or no matter just how silly of a mistake I might have made in the past, like I'm a big advocate of learning from life experiences. And I would almost be fearful that if I didn't go through everything that I've gone through thus far in my life, that I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And I genuinely love who I am and I wouldn't want to risk not being Tiara Nelson just because, you know, I might have made a different decision back then because I think I truly am the best version of myself now because I've just really taken everything on the chin and learnt a lot. So I think my answer to this question though, biggest regret, (laughs) there is one thing that I genuinely do regret and I don't think it would have had any type of influence on my life other than a positive if this wouldn't have happened. But I really regret, as a child, not taking any photographs of my rats. (laughs) Because when I was growing up, when I was 10 years old, I really, really wanted a pet rat. And I finally convinced my mom to get a rat from the pet store. And I didn't just get one, I actually got two. One, her name was Mozzarella, because you have to name your rats after cheese. And I also got another rat named Parmesan, which was her sister. Now. Turns out that mozzarella, she liked to be in the kinky aisle of the cheese. (laughs) And mozzarella actually must have gotten knocked up at the pet store because a few weeks after having her, uh, she was actually hanging from the top of the cage from like one paw. (laughs) And then she fell and my mom saw it. She was like, man, mozzarella's becoming a bit of a porker. And turns out mozzarella got knocked up. And mozzarella then gave birth to six baby rats. Now these six baby rats, I also named them all after cheese. So there was Brie, Cheddar, Swiss, Bluey, Camembert, and Plastic. Now, of course, you know, plastic cheese. This was the little white one that looked a little like a porcelain doll rat. But anyway, I had eight rats and I had eight rats all the way from grade five up to grade eight until they passed away. But I had- How did they all pass away at once? Oh, actually, no, I I actually gave five back to the pet store because I was like, hey, you gave me a knocked up rat. (laughs) This ain't right. I purchased one, not seven. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so I you got um two parmesan and okay yeah so i got yes i did get two but i did there's per- some holes in this tail <laughs> i got two initially there was parmesan and mozzarella but i'm talking about i purchased mozzarella on her on her own i didn't purchase mozzarella plus the six babies inside her so i didn't really know what i was getting up to anyway i did keep one of them and her name was brie so anyway i had brie mozzarella and parmesan and they all just passed away of just age but what i'm trying to get at is i don't have a single photograph of me with these rats which makes me so sad because i photograph everything i love remembering my life i love taking photographs of anything and everything even if i never show them to anyone or even if i like don't even look back on the photographs sometimes like i've got so many thousands of pictures in my iphone and on my hard drive and everything but like it's almost like taking a photograph also helps you remember it too at least that's what i find but I don't have any photos of them. And yeah, that just makes me kind of sad. So that is my biggest regret, not taking photographs of my rats. Mm. Yeah, I had a pet rat as well. <laughs> and its name was? Haven't we said this on the podcast? Oh, I think we have. the listeners might have forgotten. <laughs> well, it was just as original as yours. It was Radicus. <laughs> Radicus, I've never tasted that type of cheese. Mm. Don't, it's not good. <laughs> so- sounds pretty radical. Yeah, so I guess, I think I wanted a dog probably, and I think the next best alternative was a rat. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get cats because my mom's allergic. Mm, Yeah, well, I think that's pretty cool that we both had rats when we were growing up. You had one, Mm. I had eight, that then turned into three, (laughs) but it was supposed to be two. Uh, But hell, I could be making all this up because I don't have a single photo. Mm, I don't think I have photos either, yeah. It could all just be a silly tale. Silly rat's tail. But, Jack, all right, this next one, uh, this is another, I don't know, is this lighthearted? Depends on how um, hard and conditioned you'd come into the show. But this one says, would Jack ever join you in competing in IFBB? Potentially in the future, yeah. I Obviously, IFBB is untested, and it's quite different for females to enter it drug-free as opposed to males. Mm because I would call bikini the entry level in terms of muscularity out of all the female categories. And it's achievable naturally. Uh, although it still is, of course, very difficult to become an IFBB pro bikini athlete naturally. But yeah, obviously it's another game altogether for, for the men's ca- categories like classic and men's physique and bodybuilding. So I, and whenever I do a federation, I don't really just want to be a participator. Like I want to be like vying for something, even if it is for like just the novice or the first timers. So I think potentially when my muscularity is, is, is even higher than it is right now, then I'll consider doing yeah the novice or first timers for like classic, uh, classic physique. Um, obviously someone uh, who is natural, like recently won their pro card this year, Tom McNamara, but he definitely is a, a special someone. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. He has got all of the stuff especially the genetics, but definitely the work ethic to go with it. Mm. But yeah, super impressive. But that's the thing as well. Like, of course, there's no denying bikini is the entry level for IFBB. But for the guys, God, especially in the NPC and the pro ranks as well, like which one would you say is the entry level? Would you say men's physique is the entry level or classic physique? Because obviously there's men's physique, classic physique, and bodybuilding. If you're not including things like wheelchair and stuff, and mm. 212 obviously comes under the category of bodybuilding. But man, like 
those men's physique guys, yeah, sure, they're wearing board shorts, but whew, like I think they could, they're, they're huge, you know, like I reckon if you put them in some trunks, they could probably smoke a few of the classic competitors because like they don't neglect their legs. Well, yeah, it depends on who we're talking about. Like, mm. I think naturally their legs probably aren't the same as their upper body for some cases. I agree that some of them do have fantastic legs and for whatever reason they decide to do physique. But mm. yeah, it really just depends. I would say depends on the athlete as well. Like some, some people might just have a more favorable upper body and therefore the entry level for them is going to be physique. Mm. Whereas for me, it's probably going to be classic just because... I think my classic proportions are better than my men's physique proportions. Mm, yeah, but that just, that boggles my mind. Plus, I never thought about it like this before, but Mike Isertel, he was recently interviewed on the Revive Stronger podcast. He made a really good point that for the men's physique category, there's no weight cap, man. Like, I think that's probably why those dudes are getting so ridiculously big because mm. they don't have to cap anything. Except the downs. <laughs> no, those are capped to the max. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's quite wild. Yeah, and he also made another good point that like there's no... Like for a lot of them, you could just whip their board shorts off and put some classic trunks on and they would be competitive and classic. Insanely, because so, like, of the tiny waists. Mm, so like what is, there's, what is the point of men's physique in essence mm. if they're essentially just classic physique athletes in, in board shorts? Mm. So I, I agree with that to an extent. Like I still think it is such a traditional category to have and mm -hmm. like we can't just take it away, but it would be interesting if potentially in the future they just made it a little bit more different either mm -hmm. by like changing something further with the posing or more so establishing a, a mm -hmm. cap in terms of body yeah. weight. What I think is unfortunate about men's physique in IFBB is that they literally only do quarter turns. They only do the symmetry round, which is unfortunate because like at least for ICN, right? Like the guys get to do a few muscularity poses and it's quite clear those guys have like, they're basically two people in one. Like they're huge dudes. It's like, it'd be great to see them chuck up some front double buys, back double buys, even if they could do like some side triceps and stuff. Like I reckon that'd be wicked. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but hey, there we go. So stay tuned over this next decade or so. Yeah, decade. And uh, you might see Jack in classic physique first timers. Mm, for sure. Great. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good way to wrap up this podcast episode, unless there's anything else you want to chat about. No, if that's all the questions that we have. I think we would we have time for one more if, we, if there is one. All right, well, there is one more question. It's probably the most serious question of the entire podcast. Probably even more serious and, you know, mind-boggling than the meat versus dairy one. It does say, Jack, what is your takeaway meal of choice? Indian, pizza, Thai, burgers? What's your pick? Uh, I think pizza would probably have to be my usual go-to. And I think... I'm often restricted because whenever I do get takeaway, which isn't that often, but I, I did get it a, a, a few times towards the end of my last gaining phase. Mm. And when I did get it, because we have to think about the scenario as well, it has to be a realistic scenario. Like we live in a suburb where for whatever reason, like Uber Eats doesn't like coming out here and takeaway doesn't like delivering here. Even like the local uh, town, not town, but suburb next to us, like it's a eight minute drive and they don't even deliver pizza here. That's just stupid, in my opinion. So 
I yeah, for that reason, like pizza is just the most accessible, and we usually I would usually get it after like a few hours of fishing mm. um, when my active expenditure has been super high. So and fish just wouldn't suffice for the no, calories. Not quite enough calories. <laughs> So yeah, often pizza. And unfortunately, there's not a, a wonderful selection of pizza establishments to choose from. So it often isn't the the highest quality pizza out yeah. there. Good old Domino's. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, Domino's is definitely up higher on that hierarchy compared to mm. if you were to buy like a cheap frozen pizza from like the grocery store. I don't know. Yeah. Are there any good quality frozen pizzas? I would just say not. Nah. I've tried a few and no, like Domino's is honestly better. And like Domino's has improved over, not that I'm a a specialist by any means, but they do have some more gourmet options now. Mm. And sometimes I do prefer something just a little simpler than like an overly complicated pizza from, uh, I don't know, a fancier establishment. So Mm. yeah, that, I guess that's my guilty pleasure in the, uh, takeaway world nah Domino's is amazing honestly well I say that from like my memories as a kid eating a lot of pizza because as a kid growing up oh holy moly I was so active like I was definitely one of those kids that like I was my activity levels were so high that my dad had to try to get as many calories into me as possible so I could keep growing because especially when I was when I was doing a lot of swimming like I was doing nine swimming training sessions a week plus meets on the weekend You'd swim every morning and afternoon, except for you'd have Wednesday morning off. And then, yeah, meets on the weekend. And like on Tuesday nights, it was cheaper Tuesday for pizza. My dad would just go out and get those cheap $4.95 pizzas from Domino's. And I get out of the pool at like 6.30 at night and he'd just chuck two on my lap and I'd just eat them on the way home. Like so good. good <laughs> nah, I'd, I would eat a whole pizza on the way home. And then the next day I'd take one to school. Like I'd have four pieces at recess and then four pieces at lunch. Uh, but yeah, I was actually, I, I feel almost special because I was part, well, you would have been too, but you never ate takeaway food growing up, no, right? Uh, just not really fast food. I ate other takeaways. Mm. Like I would have had uh, takeaway pizza. Yeah, yeah. My I feel like when I used to eat uh, like a bit more Is like... Is Domino's fast food though? It's pretty quick, man. Yeah, it's very fast. <laughs> a pizza that they costs even... $4.95 that you could make it in like six minutes or something yeah. they i didn't know about this they had that this option on the website you pay an extra like two dollars and they guarantee delivery in like under 20 minutes that is the definition of, of being an inpatient person if you don't well, think i did take that so. no but, <laughs> no not that but i just mean like someone saying that domino's isn't fast food like mm. man you are pretty freaking impatient because it's, it's pretty damn quick but i I was actually there, (laughs) maybe not there when it happened, but you know how they have the puff crust for Domino's? Mm -hmm. It's like that really thin, puffed up, flaky crust. I was there at those initial stages when that happened, because one time my dad bought it and he's like, oh, they've got this new puff crust thing. And it's so, it was so good, like very thin crust, airy, delicious. But uh, like we were trying to hypothesize, how did they do this? And we think that someone did it by mistake. Like someone added way too much baking soda to a pizza dough and then it all puffed up and they're like, oh, you got to serve the customer anyway. And then the customer was like, this is amazing. And they were raving and now it's a thing. And now you actually pay more, even though you technically get less dough. But I actually remember that. But that was like many, many moons ago. What, maybe like 2007? No idea. I have no flipping idea either. But yeah, I don't know what my takeaway would be now because I legit can't remember the last time I ordered 
takeaway. Like, it, I think it was probably in high school. I worked at a Thai restaurant for, like, five years, so I'd always take home, like, leftovers. Uh, but, yeah, I'd probably have to go all the way back to maybe 2014. Why don't you get takeaway? Because I just love buying and cooking my own food. So do I, though, and I still get takeaway. Uh, you get takeaway pretty rarely. You'd get the, yeah, like you said, you'd order, like, Domino's, like, a few times. What, maybe it was, like, three times? Yeah. But before that, it'd been years. Yeah, but that was more so out of money, to be honest. Yeah, like, I'm just it's expensive. Stingy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. now I'm less stingy, fortunately. Nah, but if I were to, I would say pizza as well. Because I, I mm. do agree, pizza is the goat. Well, if I, if I wasn't restricted by location, I would choose Greek. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Greek food, mm. but there's no, unfortunately, no Greek or even Turkish places around that would deliver here. Yeah, I like Indian. Indian food's really nice. That's yeah. good to know. It's good. No, but pizza's definitely the goat. Did you know that I actually didn't... I only just recently learned. It was probably like a year ago or so. That goat was actually an acronym. I didn't... Yes, we talked about that on the podcast. <laughs> but I literally thought that people were going around calling each other goats. Like the billy goat. And I thought, I was like, oh, I guess that's kind of cool. Like they're a cool animal. You know, they, they can climb up cliffs and they stand up tall. Like they're up on the top. Yeah, they're, you're the goat. You're up there on top. But like, I didn't realize that it meant the greatest of all time. I thought that people were just going around being like, you're the goat. And it's like, <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I... <laughs> but let's, let's wrap this up um, before Thierry impersonates another animal. And if you enjoyed this one, uh, please make sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we'll catch everyone next week. Bye.